the big takeaway is to test and learn. So it's just to try something new, to test it out, but then to take the time to go and line it up with everything else you've got. It'll show you two things. It'll show you one, how well that particular thing that you're testing goes, but it'll give you insight into how well you know how everything else is going. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links, and shortcuts, visit Elite Agent Elevate. Elevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of this week's show. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Josh Callahan, the CEO of Little Hinges and Virtual Tours Australia, as a formal GM of CanStar and also the previous COO of the REIQ, Josh is passionate about creating technology that meets both the needs of consumers and the real estate industry. Over the past two decades, he's also leveraged technology to impact positively on the banking, stockbroking and finance industries. So Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So first up, let's talk about Little Hinges and Virtual Tours because a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with your products and services and I certainly am because we've just moved to Queensland without looking at anything basically physically. (laughs) (laughs) So for those people that possibly aren't familiar with it, let's walk through exactly what you offer and, and the types of technology that you've developed. Yeah, perfect. So we're Australia's largest virtual tours company and and we use a 3D scanning process to create our virtual tours. Some of your listeners will be familiar with Matterport. So we use the Matterport cameras and are in in fact their largest client in the Southern Hemisphere. But I guess where virtual tour companies start and finish is sort of where we just begin. So we deliver the virtual tour. We obviously go through and, and create the scan and the ability for people to walk through without having to be there physically, which overcomes the need for people to be turning up between 9 and 9.15 on a Saturday morning or to be able to buy interstate and overseas. But then we go one step further to create a branded overlay experience that actually drives leads out of those virtual tours. So, you know, one of the things that we were very familiar with is that the real estate industry, large parts of it still see virtual tours as sort of an extension to, you know, photography. Where we really see it is is actually from the ground up and it's a core part of the sales funnel in qualifying buyers and renters and whoever else is interacting with that on the way through. So that's sort of what created Virtual Tours Australia and Little Hinges. That's interesting. So how does the virtual tour then become part of the prospecting funnel? So what we do, so in my background, you mentioned in CanStar and also some of the other guys we have in the team, we've got a large background in conversion rate optimization, in marketing optimization. And so we basically create an experience that um, drives all those usual sort of behavioral things like having some urgency to leaving your lead details or providing some scarcity or providing some competition by telling you how many other people have seen that. And so that drives the behavior of the user of that virtual tour to leave a lead, leave their details. And then we deliver that straight into CRMs such as Rex or 
into our own portal as a, you know, John Smith has inquired about such and such property. They've been in that property virtually three times and on average spent more than four minutes. It really changes that dynamic then of how important it is to speak to those people and also, you know, how likely they are to be sort of at the, at the pointy end of the sales funnel. Have the systems gotten clever enough to sort of say, okay, Sam spent like a heap of time in the kitchen and keeps going back to the kitchen. It does actually. And yeah, we produce a heat map that shows where people have not just passed through because otherwise hallways would always be, you know. The hot, hot. area, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but where they've actually dwelled, where they've stopped and spent some time. And, and within our tours, you can measure up items. And so uh, right now we don't enrich the lead details with that sort of data, but it's one or two versions away from having all that insight, yeah. So how did you get to be in virtual, like we've just mentioned some of the companies that you used to be in, how did you get into the virtual tour space from where you were? Yeah, it was interesting. So I was at the REIQ as their COO at the time that COVID hit. And that was obviously a very busy time for us, working very, very hard with um, Queensland government on trying to um, represent the industry and get the best outcomes as far as what those lockdowns and restrictions look like for the industry so that property could keep going. I guess I was somewhat of a noob into the into the real estate space. And so in my ignorance, I assumed that business would go on really seamlessly because everyone would have virtual tour technology at their fingertips and be able to just carry on. Obviously, that's that's not the case. And I soon discovered that, in fact, there isn't even a, a sort of a single national network that you can jump on a website, hit book, and that afternoon have someone there scanning a property. So around that same time, my business partner, Josh Kindred, had just bought a whole bunch of these cameras and started to train up some of his staff in how to use it. So I joined forces with him to basically continue the build of this of this national offering. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm guessing that that was a really busy time for you too, when lockdown first happened last year. The last few weeks have sort of proven that we're not quite out of the woods yet. Yeah. What sort of interest have you had from the industry both, well, then and even now? Because remember, going back to the pandemic, there are a lot of people saying, well, bye-bye normal, that's all gone now. We have to move forward and we have to embrace these new technologies and stuff. Do you find people are actually moving forward or are they sort of falling back into their old? Probably depends what part of Australia in. So in Melbourne and Victoria, for example, we're seeing a lot more adoption there and a lot more rigorous adoption. And to the point now where I guess after over 100 days of lockdown, it's become part of their muscle memory and part of their standard sort of ways of operating because they've been forced to. In Queensland, that's certainly not the case. And New South Wales is is probably somewhere in between. And so I guess what we're seeing, and it's certainly not unique to real estate in almost all of those industries you mentioned earlier that I've, I've um, worked closely in, the adoption curve is is somewhat slow because it's never just, you know, I guess what we've been experiencing is is high-level buy-in is at, at any of the major franchises or real estate groups is really strong. They can clearly see the value proposition, clearly see how it de-risks the sales process and opens up to new buyers and how our unique data funnel actually helps their business. But That's got to go all the way down to sales agent Sally, who's then sitting across the table from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And and as part of her well-rehearsed VPA pack part of the presentation, we've got to be able to work out how to get that in and make sure Sally understands all the value that comes from it. And so that's just where the delay is right now. We're seeing it pick up 
every month on month, we're growing very strongly. So it is, it's certainly changing. It's not probably the, the flick that you might expect to have happened as a result of COVID. Yeah, it is interesting though, because I've just been a judge on REA's Area Awards for a couple of the big categories to do with Agency of the Year and things like that. And I think now people are sort of, some people are saying, well, I do virtual tours like it's a competitive advantage, but I really think that the bar has shifted with the top agencies, that it's not even a consideration anymore. It's just, these are the things that we do, end of story. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, and I think what it is, is because I guess everyone has been forced to engage with the category. And so the the real estate industry has already been on a bit of a journey of probably appreciating and understanding other types of of marketing engagement, such as say a video. And and when you think about if you can get someone to watch your video for more than 60 seconds, you're high-fiving, right? You've blown (laughs) it out of the water. That's amazing. Um, The average time people spend in a virtual tour is like, well, our average is over four minutes. And so it's like someone is is engaging in that property for four minutes and often multiple times. Now, I mean, the average session time on realestate.com is only about four minutes and 15 seconds. So, so if you've got a virtual tour, you're basically stealing, you know, everyone else's eyeballs as well while they're going through your tour. So I think it's a really ripe space, like it's prime for it to be highly adopted. Those agents who are used to being slightly ahead of the curve in adopting sort of new ways of attracting and qualifying um, and converting audiences, already using it as part of their standard flow and others will they'll get there it'll come to a point where it just becomes a it does become a standard part of the sales process I think yeah I think um, if I was going to be so bold to make a prediction too for this year I think it's not just before people buy or before people move in because I know from my own experience in the last couple of months I think I looked at the virtual tours of the home and the office and everything like that more times after we'd signed on the dotted line so that we knew where like we were moving into state and it was a pretty specific case and stuff like that but I can't tell you how many times we went back yes to look at what was there and and I suppose I could have bugged the real estate agent to you know come and see the property early or something like that but I guess at the end of the day all's well that ends well Because you're right, you're just sharing that you'd, you'd, you know, sort of bought and moved sight unseen. I think about the last place I bought and I think I physically inspected it two, maybe three times before I was unconditional, which is madness. When you think about that the technology does exist now to be able to walk through it a hundred times and spend 20 minutes ago if I want to, and we do see some people doing that, you can make such a better decision, but also be even more invested in that decision. And the more that buyers are invested in the decision, even if it's post having a contract um, or an offer accepted, it just means that the likelihood of that falling over then as you're rolling through finance clauses and building in pest and then out to settlement, the likelihood of that falling over is much, much less because they're really closely invested in, you know, they've already started thinking about what color rugs they're putting down. Yeah. Oh, for us, it was just like, geez, I hope we haven't made it bad decision (laughs) (laughs) I I hope the couch will actually fit (laughs) I know I know know. it's such an interesting space to be in but 2020 was an interesting year which many noted sort of pulled the future forward what other than virtual tours like I know you're big in the technology space what other trends do you think are here to stay 
I think it's forced people to look broader around the end-to-end process around their CRM and around how they actually manage customers and, and onboard customers and service customers because I guess agents haven't been able to rely as much on belly-to-belly and getting involved at the property and with people physically. And in anecdotal conversations I'm having, it's certainly people seem to be talking in terms of their CRM and their entire pipeline and funnel in a much more sophisticated way than what I knew originally. And look, outside of that, I think clearly off-market is a massive trend that can't be ignored. And and I think, um, yeah, and clearly something that virtual tours plays very heavily in. Uh, but, um, But I think that's one of the things that we'll start seeing, I guess, different unique offerings coming to market around how to access those you know, those buyers or prospective buyers before you're going into a full live market. Do you see that it, there's application in other ways? Like we just moved into this place, but somebody wants to come and do a routine inspection pretty much immediately. Yes. Um, yes. Do, you, do, you, do you see application going the other way? Do you mean in terms of virtual tours? Yeah. And, and going, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a small gap because we do have quite a, a few property management companies that use us. And the, typically what they'll do is use us at the at, when they're re-letting and then they'll also use that virtual tour to form the acceptance by the tenant of the entry condition. And so then you've got a, you know, a perfect replica when it gets to exit there's no arguments about whether there was a hole in that wall or not but there's probably a small gap both in um, legislation process and also in technology to be filled yet which I think is it's a gap for artificial intelligence where it can go through and actually you know automate the analysis of the scan or the or the virtual tour to identify defects and stuff because otherwise it still requires someone walking around and being able to have two screens and compare the old and the new and it's and it's so it's not a it's not a great experience yet but yeah but I don't think we're far away from that I think it's a small technology gap so let's fast forward 10 years from now I mean you've mentioned before that a decade from now we'll all look back and say wow that was an interesting time and a very significant shift in the way that we interact with property so tell us what you see in 10 years time? Yeah, sure. So look, I see that um, in 10 years time, and and I might work back from a particular use case, in 10 years time, what virtual tours do, or or digitising space as we call it, is it removes the friction that comes from humans having to physically turn up somewhere to inspect it. But if you extend that out further, you go to Ikea, and there's two things hanging up when you first get to Ikea. There's an Ikea bag to, to put all your stuff in, and there's a measuring tape. Why would you need a measuring tape if everyone's got a millimetre perfect um, digital replica of their house? And you go one step further, you go, well, why would you even need to turn up to Ikea? Why aren't I live, sitting in my living room where I've got, I'm sitting in a digital replica of my property that's, that's millimetre perfect. Ikea have millimetre perfect dimensions of their whatever chair, I won't try and make up an Ikea name. And you literally, you know, you're dragging and dropping it into the space and seeing how it fits, seeing how it looks, walking around it. And so, and and building out, uh, obviously, a checkout process from there. So that's sort of, that's the future that we see. That's a particular retail example, but we know it goes well beyond that. When you think about, um, I mean, already People have used our virtual tours to go and get quotes from Carpet Call to do a full measure and quote. You do that at scale and all of a sudden, instead of having to have tradespeople traipse through your house giving quotes and people with getting things measured up multiple times and I'm going through a flooring process at the moment and I had to have three guys out at different times 
And they're all just there to look at the same thing. I've already given them the measurements. They didn't even measure up. They're just there to, to basically sort of eyeball the place and talk. <laughs> and, uh, and so now this is clearly, I guess, you gap those two things together and that becomes, you know, what the future looks like. And I think, I think for us, we see the digitized version of that space as almost the user interface for all property, be it commercial, residential, or anything, you know, things coming up out of the ground. We're, you know, really leading the way in some of the technology that helps to do that, to actually make virtual tours and digitized space really useful. But we welcome everyone to join the space because right now it's such a small category. We just need more enrichment, more people on the ground doing scans, more people adopting this sort of technology because like I've been quoted as saying, I do think in property, this digitization of space is will look back as being the most significant new trend or step in the way that, that we interact with property. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting in the commercial world, they've been talking about digital twins for quite some time. And I've always thought that would be a nifty idea in residentials, particularly if you're a property manager, to be able to have a digital twin of the properties that you're managing so that you can proactively go after things that might be failing or not working. That's right. And we've even spoken to, like we're in very early conversations on two fronts, which will be interesting from the residential space. One is with a an energy provider around using the digital twin as basically a map so that you can walk through and see which ones of your um, appliances are drawing the most power and what rooms are costing you. So your bedroom costs you two cents a day, but your dining room costs you 15 cents a day. And then another interesting one is partnering with someone in the UK on artificial intelligence that goes through and basically reads all of the information out of the tour that we capture in order to be able to provide a customised insurance quote for that house. So from a value proposition perspective, it starts becoming really, really valuable for all homeowners to have a digital twin of their house. It's amazing, actually. And I can remember a few years ago, an old apartment I was in, I had this old fridge, which I'd been hanging on to. It was one of those things that you could, one of the first double door things that you could basically, you know, sort of roll on its side and invade a country in <laughs> yeah, and, right. and, and built like that as well. But yeah. um, eventually it died and I was, you know, like I'd been avoiding spending the money on a fridge. Yeah. But then as soon as I did put the new fridge in, I noticed there was a noticeable drop in the power bill. Yeah, 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 and, that's right. you know, if you could imagine real estate agents sort of providing that sort of value to owners and, and tenants, that would be amazing. That's right. Well, it almost sort of converts the property manager role into an asset manager role where all of a sudden it's about optimising both the cost and the yield that you're getting on that asset in the same way that commercial our commercial clients look at our scans as their asset management tool it's the same thing absolutely you know applies for property management at scale so let's go back to the reiq for a little bit you spent a bit of time with the reiq overseeing their digital transformation and the reiq are known for being quite innovative what sort of challenges did you see there that they had to overcome to become one of the leading institutes in the digital space Yeah, you're absolutely right. Fortunate for me, they were already one of the few REIs that were really at the forefront and trying to push change and trying to adapt. And and that comes from having an excellent CEO and chairperson who were really thirsty for that, for improving the business. And so that certainly made my job easy from an internal perspective. Other people would go into 
into some organisations and get a lot of resistance internally. That wasn't the case, which is incredible. Really what it was about was for us, most of the digital transformation, although there was technology, a lot of that technology was nothing revolutionary. It was about taking a really practical view of, okay, how do people want to buy training office or how do they want to be able to book into an event and then backtracking a automated you know automating as much as possible personalizing the experience as much as possible and so that was all relatively sort of standard transformation and when you've got an appetite and a ability to think about the customer and put the customer first then you're you're already 90% of the way there Really what then it became around is um, is how we utilize our digital channels. And for the REIQs in, in that example, and I guess what eventually led to our huge success when it came to advocacy and campaigning was a whole bunch of big shifts that we made in almost retraining our audience on what sort of content to expect from us, how to expect that content. And that enabled us to build a really strong digital engagement with our audience, which meant then when things happened, like when the Queensland government were were trying to make some significant changes to the property management laws, we were able to very quickly mobilise that audience and make some noise. One of the campaigns we ran, for example, had in its first three or four days had over 300,000 people respond and interact with it. And we were able to go from the government not even talking to us about it to everyone pencils down until they could sit down with the REIQ and start negotiating. So that's really what that transformation looked like. Yeah, that um, just shows the power of digital, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> that's right. Okay, technology can be a bit of a noisy space for both agents and for real estate leaders with new products being developed all the time, shiny objects and mm. clubhouses and yeah. uh, <laughs> that's the latest, <laughs> latest one, I think. Yeah. What is your recommendation for agents who might be evaluating new technology for 2021? Look, for me, it's the most critical thing is starting with a, a real business problem or customer problem that you're trying to solve. I think what can what can easily happen and, and listen, uh, you know, from from the marketing standpoint, I know this because I've leveraged this um, sort of opportunity myself, is what can easily happen is you can create a technology category. Let's just call that AI, artificial intelligence, as an example. And then that becomes such a buzzword and it's used by every influencer in the space. And you hear these really remote bespoke examples of how John Smith over here has leveraged AI to win 100 listings a month. And then all of a sudden, you can crop up with now we need an AI project or we need to do something in AI. That's almost bound for failure. I've never seen that work, in fact, in my 20 odd years in the innovation space. It has to start with understanding either deeply a business problem or a way of being able to you know, streamline the business or create efficiencies within your business or a really deep customer problem and solving that. The example I often use is people go into a business and go, I need a CRM. And and look, frankly, you, you probably do. I don't know. But ultimately, if you break that down, it's not that we can easily get caught in the process of then, okay, I need a CRM. So I'll line up all the CRMs in a big spreadsheet with all their features. And then you get into this sort of like feature trade-off and battle, which is actually purposeless because there's, you're then battling over features that were never important to you when you went in there, aren't important to your customers and aren't, isn't something you're probably going to use when the way that we should be approaching it is boiling it right back down to, okay, I need a way to be able to manage 
new clients that come into my business. And so what do I need? I need to be able to, I need to know these things about them. I need to have a way of pushing them through a funnel so I know who to follow up. I need a little bit of automation so that things happen and then I need something at the other end. And then you, you take that set of requirements and then assess what's the most cost-effective or useful tool for that. Look, that's always my biggest advice and it's because I've seen so many REIQ is no different, Cancer is no different, a bunch of other businesses I've been in are no different. You walk in and there's some sort of animal of a software product over here that people are trying to justify how much it costs them per month by adding more and more into it. And it's just complicating the business and getting in the way of actually getting you know, real outcomes. Yeah. And I think in, interestingly too, like just to your point, I think a lot of systems allow you to avoid a human conversation these days. And I think that's gone too far. Yes. Um, yeah, that's right. Just from my own personal experience over the last couple of years as a tenant and as a landlord and as a every now and then a human conversation would be nice. I think you can over AI or over automate or over. Where the real opportunity is, and, and property management's a great example where there is ongoing touch points with a, an end customer. The great opportunity is that any of that automation can take all the administration out of it so that you can replace it with really high value customer touch points and really nice touch points that create a brand and experience and loyalty and all and trust and all the things that are really important to you. I think what's, what tends to happen or the natural tendency is that we look at, okay, here's the four phone calls I make to a tenant. I can now automate all of them and put them in emails and therefore I don't need to call a tenant at all. And I don't think that's the way we should be looking. It should be, okay, we automate all those four, but then we add these two, which are really high value touch points. Yeah, suggest to the tenant that they buy a new fridge because it'll save them power. <laughs> that's right, exactly, that's right. <laughs> I love that. That's spot on. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so another future sort of focus question, like with your marketer's hat on, if you were a real estate agent, what are some of the things you'd be focusing on in 2021? You know, analytics is probably still relatively low on a lot of people's um, radars at the moment. And so I think the conversations that I have anecdotally is still very much, and I, and I did a, a roadshow about um, two years ago maybe, uh, and we're, we're taking Q&As from the audience. And a lot of the Q&As back then and even in my subsequent conversations are very much around what channels should I use and how long should my videos be and, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. And I think it's easy for people to lose sight of what the ultimate outcome is that you're trying to achieve. And really where people need to start is, okay, I'm doing this because I want to generate more listings or I want to attract more buyers or I want to whatever it is building a strategy back from that and meeting the those that target audience where they are it's not in marketing terms it's not an activity fest and so the only way to really analyze them whether things are going well or not is to adopt a really great tool that gives those insights of okay out of the six posts that you've done this sort of post doesn't do anything. Posts on this channel are literally delivering nothing and you can just continue to optimise what that looks like because the name of the game is still going to be cost reduction or, or efficiency of spend. And to the best of all the tools I've used in the past, it's still that like commercial bottom-up view of how do I actually just get every dollar that I put out there returning the most and optimising that, where I encourage everyone to start on the marketing front. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that's the piece that you're just talking about there is the piece that people don't 
look at enough. Like even let's bring it back to virtual tours. So I've got a virtual tour of this property, but what I really need to do is go and have a look at what the stats were and that's right. what do I need to spend time on and what sort of buyer was it that was the majority of the people through the door kind of thing or the, through the virtual door. That's right, because it's almost like in the same way that a marketer or someone doing some marketing spend needs to justify, okay, we've put all this effort into Google AdWords because we see that it gets a this time's return or we get this many more eyeballs or whatever it happens to be. The same thing goes for virtual tours. I mean, we know that we get five times the open home audience that you would get otherwise of people that are spending two minutes or more and going in and, and engaging in that. We know that it gets REA's own stats show that it's sort of 450% increase in engagement and so on and so forth. But it's not, I could tell you those stats all day long and it makes no difference and, and nor should you believe me. What you should do is go and add this technology our offering, ideally, um, to, to your suite and then test it against your other things that are going on and say, okay, well, here we go. This has delivered 400 qualified buyers and out of that I can see there's been three leads that are generated from it and one of those leads turned into an offer. Like this is a channel that's now too valuable for me to not, you know, that this is part of all of my vendor paid advertising from here on in. It needs to be assessed just like every other channel needs to be assessed in my view. Yeah, absolutely, because you could end up doing too much across too many channels and never realise which one actually is working. So that's right. I think that's yeah. really even look, even James Clear says success is equal parts action and reflection. So you can't yes. forget you can't forget the reflection. That's exactly right. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> so what's next for you guys this year? So we're working really hard in the real estate sales process and optimizing basically how much we can get out of that lead generation tool that sits on top of the virtual tour. So we really want to make that a lead machine that's not just for qualified buyers, but also for future listing potentials. Once we're comfortable with that and we think we've nailed that, we've got a whole lot of close aligned business opportunities for us to run down. It'll then be going through a bit of an assessment of which one next. We do a lot of art galleries. We've got city councils that want to sort of digitize all of their public assets. We've got large hotel chains that want to, to have a, a systemized pack. And it's well beyond just virtualizing the space they're interested and very aligned with what we are which is how do we actually turn that into something that's not only super useful for the buyer or, or for whoever your audience is but then you're also getting all the benefit of that audience insight that data and they're converting into whatever it is that you need them to convert into so we'll be doing a lot of development this year first of all in resi sales but then um, on to whatever that next frontier looks like whatever looks hottest next for us <laughs> yeah after figuring it out looking at the numbers of course that's right yeah exactly yeah. right yeah, yeah that's right and so we've actually had a couple of really amazing national brands come on that we'll be announcing in the next couple of weeks so um, definitely stay tuned in for some of those and so yeah so it's going to be it's definitely going to be an exciting year of growth for us yeah, amazing. Well, Josh, it's been great to chat to you today and to take a nice, well, I think this is our first tour through tech for 2021, which has been really awesome. So if you would like to leave the listeners with one piece of digital advice or one thing to remember, what would it be? Oh, look, I think the big takeaway is to test and learn. So it's just to try something new, to test it out, but then to, like you said before, take the time to go and line it up with everything else you've got. It'll show you two things. It'll show you one, how well that particular thing that you're testing goes, but it'll give you insight into how well you know how everything else is going. And so it's the ultimate test for everyone, a great challenge for everyone. My favourite quote, everything's a test till it's not. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Josh Callahan, thank you so much. Thanks, Sam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links, and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com.